Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual hello, tools hello. to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike Today, um, let's doing get started. Today, podcast. I didn't even put a filter on. I was playing with all the filters, trying to decide what I should use. Decided against nothing. Um, I'm just going to give this thing just a couple seconds here just to let some of you guys join. Oh, hi, Lindsay. Um, today I'm interviewing Sarah Swain. She's amazing. Um, she's over at Trailblazer Media. And today we're talking about self-expression, politics, culture, things that are happening in Canada, things that are happening in the globe. Uh, if you're new to Sarah's work, um, she's hilarious. I really appreciate a little dose of humor in everything that's going on right now. Um, she's also really smart. She breaks down things in a way that it's easy, it's super easy to understand, it's tangible, and it's solutions-based. Because um, that's something that we're kind of missing right now. And I see it right here. Oh, your internet just went down. Oh no, okay. No problem. I'm going to shut this down and start up again in two minutes. And we're just gonna let Sarah um, start over again. Uh, Ashley, we can ask some questions. You know, while we're waiting for Sarah, instead of me coming off of this live, um, you guys can propagate the chat here with any questions that you have. Questions about politics, questions about speaking your mind, even though there might be consequences, uh, about cancel culture. I know these are all really hot topics right now. Um, and they're also new topics. I've been speaking a lot about cancel culture. Uh, I don't speak English. Okay. Um, I don't have a translator for you. I'm sorry. Um, and Sarah's just going to get, take a minute here. We both live rurally, by the way. Um, I live in an island in the bush with water access only in the summer and ice road in the winter. I actually took a snowmobile to school today to get my kids to school. Okay, I'm just letting Sarah on right now. Yeah, if you guys have any questions, propagate the chat. Hi. Hi, thanks for your patience. I just heard you talking about rural life, so here it is. <laughs> yeah, we both live in the sticks, I, I gather. 
<laughs> and I'm looking outside right now at a full-blown blizzard. So I'm hoping that we can have this as relatively uninterrupted as possible. Yeah, and no worries if there is any interruption. Uh, we can start over. We can do it another time. Um, I actually took my kids to school this morning by snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah. I'm just going to fix my camera here. Sorry for the video. That's amazing. That's, okay. so you That's still how rural we live. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we live on a little island out here in northwestern Ontario. And we used to just live here six months of the year. And then we would rent places on mainland uh, during the rest of the time. Um, but when I closed my brick and mortar business due to COVID, we were like, let's get out of here. I don't even want to be in town. Town is weird. Everyone's all masked up. Um, so we moved out to the island full time. And it's awesome. And it's not without its um, challenges. Um, you know, the other day it took me two hours to get to town. I took a quad and then I took a little boat and then I got in a truck. Today I took a snowmobile. It's a little out there and it's way better than being in a city right now. <laughs> People would probably see that as an absolute nightmare. And to me, that is like bliss. It's like, sign me up for that life, please. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Same. And, you know, prior to COVID, had you asked me if I would like to live this way, it would have been a hell no. Um, but I've kind of gone from being a, a great big introvert to um, a mega introvert <laughs> that likes to garden and focus on spiritual theories. So here I am. <laughs> here, here we both are. <laughs> I'm um, excited about this. So I wanted to bring you on um, because I just love your work. Um, you're hilarious, you're brave, and you're talking about all the things that um, matter right now. And that's why I've joined uh, your parliament group, which I absolutely love. And yeah, I keep soaking up your material. Um, maybe just to start, just uh, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about uh, the work that you do. Sure. You know, it's interesting because I just saw one of your posts on your feed that says my toxic trait is doing all the big ideas that I have. And I was like, oh my God, can I ever relate to this? So I am that person where uh, if I put something on a Pinterest board, chances are I'm actually going to do it. Um, and it's something I'm really proud of because I've allowed myself to be as, as multi-passionate as I want and to create the things that I love and to build the businesses that bring me joy. Um, so some could say that I'm a serial entrepreneur in that regard. Um, but really, I am just someone who uh, has learned to follow my heart and do the things that bring me joy and feel really, really aligned with me um, and feel really good to be a part of every single day. And uh, I'm a former corporate hustler and that lifestyle just did not suit me and in 2018 um <laughs> oddly enough uh, some people may or may not know this but i was actually in the retail pharmacy industry and mm. kind of my tipping point uh to move on to something that uh didn't make me feel as though my soul was dying every single day and it wasn't clear to me then why all of the reasons that uh, my career had felt so disjointed and out of place for me. 
Um, but it's very clear to me now. There were many other layers that I couldn't see yet. And for the last four years, I have been um, creating my own life the way that I want it to feel, the way that I want to experience it. And uh, 2022 has been yet another year of what the hell is going on and holding on tight, um, but rooting myself at the same time in uh, what I believe in, what my perspectives are, uh, and finding the courage to say the things that I've always been, uh, I've always felt very <sighs> suppressed uh, in those ways where it felt dangerous to speak about some of the things that I, I think and, and believe and see. Um, so 2022 has been the year where I just kind of uh, made the decision and, and signed a contract with my soul that um, I'm not going to allow that to dictate my life anymore. Um, I'm not going to hold back on what my heart is like begging me to talk about and to say. And as a result, um, I, it's nothing short of magic in my opinion that everybody that I have been looking for my whole life has shown up in my life. Um, the alignment of the people, the safety that I feel with the community that's formed, the freedom that I have as an individual now to speak freely um, without mm -hmm. censoring myself, without hiding my own truth, without um, guarding my self-image to keep protected from certain groups of people. Uh, and there's something to be said about that. And I, and I really hope that more people uh, will take my experience in the construction of Trailblazer Media Group um, as evidence that when you choose to align yourself with your values, you choose to speak your truth, you hold on to the courage that it takes to do so long enough for the right people to show up in your space. Um, it's truly life transformational. And even though the last two plus years have been some of the most gut-wrenching um, periods of time I've ever experienced in my life. And I know that I think everybody in the world can say the same for a various number of reasons. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything that I have for me now. Um, so that's what I do. I started Trailblazer Media Group and it was one of those things where this feels like a good idea. I'm really excited about this. And I just kind of started putting out content and, and talking about things I felt really passionate about and realized that the thing that people were really gravitating to me towards was perspective on the uh, Canadian federal political system. And uh, oddly enough, this is something that I've, I've had a lifelong uh, unwanted skill for, uh, ranting about politics. It's never really been something that anyone in my life has particularly enjoyed. <laughs> so... <laughs> know that I've been able to create a community um, off of something that I'm very passionate about that uh, maybe wasn't so um, welcome in my life prior to this. Um, I'm really excited about it. And I'm really, I'm really proud of it too. You should be proud of it. <laughs> you've, you've put together quite a group. Um, the, the first thing that you mentioned just about speaking authentically, I, I think that's what brought me to you first. Um, I was really slow out of the gates and, and everything that's happening, I think for about 12 to 14 months. Yep. Um, I just trusted, you know, I'm just a trusting person. 
we've never really had to worry about things in Canada. We've, we've had it pretty easy. And it was actually my husband, like right out of the get go, who said, you know, this isn't right. It's not adding up. He's just very logical, pragmatic, no feelings. Uh, he got vaccinated right away, but he just said like, no, this isn't wrong. This isn't right. And I got really angry with him. I was very protective of my idea that actually everything was fine. And then when I realized it wasn't fine, and when I would try and talk to people about it, not the way that I'm doing right now, like just having a conversation with very close friends and was immediately canceled, erased uh, by family members, by friends, um, that was a really scary time. And also the best thing that ever could have happened because once I got braver and kept doing it anyways, and I watched those Instagram numbers just ding, 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 ding. I watched them drop so fast, like a hundred people gone. I watched like best friends peel away. I had to deal with my parents hating me. And then all of a sudden I was so free. Yeah. Once I, once I put it all out there, well, now there was nothing to be scared of. Yeah. And I'm still like at, 75% you know I'm still there's still some topics that are kind of scary and I still find myself holding back but that's been like the fun process right like what else what else can I I take away is it religion yeah. is it uh is it public health like what is it because in that awakening process what you have is a lot of people telling you uh you don't have the right to speak, you actually don't have a right to have an opinion on this issue because you're not a doctor, because you're not a politician or an economist. You actually, you're just not smart enough. And there's, there's such an abuse there. That's, that's very much been my experience too. Um, and I like that you touched on the fact that once you got to that point, you recognized that the, the freedom that you were not experiencing before was you were the one that actually held the key to it. And, and this is something that uh, I really want people to take away from our experiences. Uh, the whole concept of self censorship is actually where the problem lies. It's not to say that other forms of freedoms have not been restricted we know this, <laughs> but when it comes to having that hard conversation with ourselves about, but are we allowing ourselves to be free? So if, if the world is telling us we can't do this, we're not allowed to go here. We're not allowed to take part in this. We're not invited to this. Our family's not talking to us. Our friends have, you know, left and, and our followers have dropped and all of this carnage that our hearts experience throughout this. We have to have a hard conversation with ourselves of whether or not we're restricting our own freedom just as much as others are restricting our own freedom. And I share the same experience as you where once you realize that you've said the thing, you've said it, you've made it known, all of a sudden something clicks, that fear goes away because it's out there now. And the mm -hmm. apprehension that we carry and hold leading up to that moment of courage of using our voice is far worse than mm -hmm. actually using our voice.
but it's not without loss. It's not without risk. It's not without sacrifice. I think every one of us that have chosen to take a public position on this uh, across any category, it could be healthcare, it could be politics um, or anything else in between, we have experienced heartache as a result of our decision to do so. Um, but something that I like to remind myself of when um, feeling that that's wheeze when you know it's like oh okay there's another person that's rejecting me again for my my position on something um it reminds me to rem uh to to realize the fact that when we choose to not share our our true self with people when we make a decision to hide parts of ourselves with people whether they're friends or family, co-workers, business partners, we're actually keeping ourselves trapped in that relationship and surrounded by an unhealthy energy of knowing that you're not unconditionally safe with that person. Hmm. And as painful as it is when these people make themselves known that um, they're not accepting of you anymore, for whatever reason, uh, in a very backhanded way, it is freeing for that person to make themselves known in your space um, because it has been made known to you that that person only liked, respected, or appreciated, or welcomed the version of you that they were comfortable with and not the whole you. And mm -hmm it's been life-changing for me even in the last six months to experience what it actually feels like to be wholly accepted by people and be able to speak about anything and not be ridiculed not be judged not be silenced not not be asked to never speak about that with them again uh not have eyes rolling um so yeah, it's, it's something to be able to recognize the difference between that person over there or that politician or that government or that building, that business is restricting my rights and freedoms. That's one thing. But the big work is in, are you restricting your own freedoms? Um, because even if they let, let us all back in, <laughs> let us on planes again, let us across borders, uh, or just let us speak freely without having, you know, figurative arrows launched at us every day. Um, it is something that I wish more people would let themselves experience. Um, because when we don't allow ourselves to, to truly be whole, um, we're locking ourselves in a cage no different than the very same entities and beings and governments that we're accusing of doing the same. Um, it's the same behavior, only one's internal, one's external. So if, if they let us all in again and life goes back to normal, whatever the hell that means, have we freed ourselves before we allow ourselves to engage in what our perception of freedom is? Uh, and that's a big one for people to, to swallow <laughs> because that requires a lot of work it's not as simple as a mandate being lifted um it requires the deep soul searching type of stuff that isn't for the faint of heart some days
Well, and the reason that we're in this mess is because many people value identity over integrity, where integrity has been one of my principal values. So no matter the consequences, no matter uh, if I lost a friend group or clients or anything, I can look myself in the mirror. Um, the amount of people that are seeing what's going on politically and just saying, yeah, that's terrible. And I choose to just disengage, to not make a ripple, uh, to not have uncomfortable conversations. The amount of people that I know in the health sector, doctors and nurses who say, yes, none of these rules make sense. And I'm just going to go along with them anyways. That's the problem. If we all actually just said what we actually thought in a kind way, like I'm not saying go out and be a dick to everybody, but if we actually just said, hey, this isn't right, this doesn't add up, this doesn't make sense, we actually wouldn't have these problems. And it's the only reason I've spoken out at all. Um, I've gained nothing from it. Well, that's, I've regained followers, I've regained clients, but it was a lot of loss. It was a lot of loss. So I only speak to make other people feel like, oh, I'm allowed to talk about those things too. And I think that's what you do a really good job of doing. Hey, let's just normalize yeah. talking about politics and all the things that everyone's telling us to be quiet about. Yeah. And if we think about, uh, you know, the for so many people who are now just getting involved in politics for the very first time and, and realizing the complexity and realizing what it actually means to, to be a responsible citizen within a democracy and the work that's required. It's a lot for people to take in. But to your point about why it's so important to use our voices, so many people are realizing now just how out of touch our politicians are with the um, feelings of the general public. And I'm generalizing here, not saying that everybody feels the same way, uh, but politicians across the board are missing the mark on uh, large concerns. And we have to ask ourselves why that is. So if we allow the mainstream networks to be louder than us as a collective, then our politicians will assume that what's being shown on the media must be reflective of the general public. And folks like you and I know that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, but we, there's, a, there's a number of reasons why we have to use our voice. And, and yes, personal freedom is one of them. Crushing self-censorship is another one. Um, making others feel safe in doing so is another one but also making sure that our concerns are actually reaching the people that need to hear that, that have the power to be able to support us in enacting the change that we want to see. So when we look at politicians be like, why aren't they saying this? Or why aren't they doing this? But the majority of people who want them to create the change that they're looking for, aren't using their own voices, then how are, how are our politicians supposed to, to grasp the full scope of the uh, issues and concerns that we have if so many of us are still choosing not to use our voices? And whether that's public or simply just taking the time 
to quietly send your, your MP or your MPP an email or pick up the phone and give them a call. Both of those things matter in a huge way. Not everybody's meant to create platforms and, and turn their Instagram accounts into political advocacy groups. Like that's obviously not for everybody, but there's other ways that you can make your voice heard. Um, but if we're not, if we're not taking the time to do that, even if it's just getting, getting on your email, sending a, a two minute email to um, your local MP, um, then how are they supposed to know? Sorry if you can hear my dogs barking. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people feel powerless um, in, in terms of politics. And, and prior to the last two years, I, I didn't pay attention. I, I voted, but I really wasn't all in. And I was having a conversation with someone yesterday who just said, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. The government's just going to government. They're just going to do what they're going to do. And I think it starts, obviously, with self. Like, are you comfortable enough? Uh, speaking your mind with your best friend, with a circle of friends, with your family, it has to start there. Um, like in our group the other day, we were talking about what sort of letters you could be writing to your MPP right now. And, and I wrote mine addressing Bill 100 and how that got voted in. Um, I did a video of that yesterday. And essentially, I, I don't have confirmation on it, but I wrote him to ask him for confirmation on it. Did this did this bill get passed without all MPPs in office? And if it did, A, I need you to tell me whether or not this happened. And if it did, what are you going to do about it? And I expect you to do something about it. And I'm going to follow up with you to do something about it. Um, with love and light. <laughs> Empowered rate, how I like to sign my emails these days. <laughs> That's awesome, though. But this is the thing. When, when we think about what actually holds a democracy together, it's people, it's not government. And this is um, what's driving me a little bananas these days, in, in order to put it very politely in PG. Um, people are failing to recognize the responsibility that we have in a democracy. So when we're born into, you mentioned earlier, like kind of born into easier times, like we've, nothing's been wrong. We haven't had to think about things and look at how things just work and look at the order and look at the structure and, and look at the freedoms we have in Canada. And all of this stuff is in front of us and pumped into us. And, and we don't really think twice about it ever being lost. We're no longer um, having that sense in Canada. And when we truly understand what a democracy is, which is rule of the people, um, that means that when the people jump, the government responds. But Canadians, in large part, again, generalizing here, are behaving in the opposite way, where we're waiting and we're turning on the news and being like, what is the government telling me I'm allowed to do today? which is not <laughs> democratic, but there's an assumption here that the government is in charge and I have to do what they say. That's literally the opposite of a democracy. The government has only been able to take this much control and have this much power because the people have allowed it to happen. We've stayed quiet, We've been uninvolved in politics. We've chosen not to talk about it because we've been raised to believe that we don't talk about politics. Don't tell the neighbors that 
we voted conservative. Like these, these ridiculous things that we've been um, just conditioned, uh, whether an education systems, family, whatever. So when we realize that, that the responsibility actually lies on us right now, it can be a very <laughs> big undertaking feeling like, how in the heck am I supposed to swing this around? How am, I, how am I supposed to start tipping this tidal wave over? Like I'm only one person. And my response to that is if everybody thought that we would continue to allow us to get deeper and deeper and deeper into um, an authoritarian or totalitarian style regime now that they're more aligned with the NDP and it's not just Trudeau um, flicking the switches these days, um, but the collective. So if we each have that personal responsibility of maybe you don't have time to spend hours and hours and hours uh, on politics the way that I've been able to dedicate a good portion of my life to these days, um, simply because I've, I've created my life to be this way. I've created my businesses to allow me to have time freedom. And these are the things that I'm choosing to dedicate my time to. Not everybody has that time, but that is not a green light or a, a, a symbol of allowance to say, that's okay. You don't have to do anything at all. Because if we don't all start at least paying attention and start watching, start listening to what politicians are saying start reading some uh political context here and there maybe the latest bill that you start seeing circulating online those little teeny tiny efforts matter because if everybody is making these teeny tiny efforts the scale starts to tip because the politicians now realize that there is a higher level of accountability on them than there has historically been which means they have to they won't have a choice when there's enough of us putting the pressure on and watching everything that they do, they won't have a choice but to start listening to the people more again, which is what it should be in the first place as a democracy, as opposed to an assumption that this is how people feel or an assumption that this is how my uh, constituents, uh, constituents feel or how my riding feels, or this is an assumption based on our party ideology um, without consulting the people. So it's going to take time Nobody likes when I say that because they all want me to say that we can fix this tomorrow and um, mm -hmm. we, we won't. This takes mm -hmm. time, but if we all commit to this, we all commit to owning what we can own as individuals in Canada, uh, we will absolutely turn it around. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but the, the attitude of, you know, screw it, my MP doesn't respond to me or screw it, it's too complicated or screw it, I don't have time. Um, we may as well just uh, cast our vote liberal again in the next election if that's the attitude we have hmm. yeah and for for all the people still that like haven't done the deep dive into politics the people that are still like meh it doesn't really matter i'm just gonna live my life i can still work it doesn't matter um what would you tell people um and this is like a this is a big and, and weighted question like what is going on in the bigger picture that requires their attention on politics? Goodness me. I think the realization uh, of the fact that there are um, other factors and influences on our government that we care to acknowledge. And we are taught very little, but we're taught in the education system that this is our little parliamentary structure and 
look how cute and sweet it is. We're Canadians and everyone's free and happy and proud and polite. And that's about it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously simplifying things here, but there, there is no uh, fundamental understanding of our political system that would help the average person understand the multiple different factors that go into what actually governs our government. And the scary thing that's happening right now, um, uh, and I will use the term leftist elite in order to be polite, <laughs> um, but there is, a, 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 I will say a small group, but a very small, uh, powerful group of people uh, that want to see the world run and structured differently in order to allegedly solve a number of issues that they feel are a priority. And uh, these agendas that they hold have undeniably, absolutely, without a doubt in my mind, uh, infiltrated themselves into our governments. And this is where people have a difficult time wrapping their head around this um, because they believe that uh, our, our democracy is as simple as going to the polling station. But when we factor into the perfect storm that we're in right now as Canadians who have collectively kept their hands off of politics and turned an eye to it and just kind of hoped that it would run itself and hoped that the government would always act on the best interest uh, of Canadian citizens, um, we have opened a window for uh, other ideologies and agendas to come in undetected. And this is something that has been in the works for years and years and years now. Um, and now that we have a pandemic and, and there's, there's uh, conspiracies and, and ideologies out there of whether the pandemic was used in order to usher this in or whether the pandemic was created in order to usher this in, whatever you believe, totally respect you either way. Um, we can't deny, though, the fact that this larger agenda uh, is being ushered in uh, with the ease because we're so distracted with um, pandemic and uh, wars and all of these other things that cause Canadians to not think that we have anything to worry about here. And uh, I predict that Canada will be the first to fall uh, if we allow this to happen. And my theory behind that is our population density, our land mass versus the very small population that we have is what's making it easier for um, this to be pushed through in Canada uh, in conjunction with uh, our political naiveness uh, and just people simply not paying attention. So mm -hmm. when we think about, uh, you know, these huge protests that we see in places like Germany and France and uh, like Melbourne, Australia, you know, there's 500,000, there's a million people taking the streets in order to fight. And you never see this on the news, of course. Um, but we see, and we know, mm -hmm. but we don't have the population density in Canada in order to be able to have that sizable of a public display of pushback. Uh, so we have individual cities all with pretty low populations and therefore, collectively, it's never going to physically appear as though there's a huge number of us that are on the same page. Mm -hmm. So uh, I hope that answered the I could go in a million different directions with that one. It's a big, but yeah, there's other factors at play here that, that reach far beyond our borders in Canada. 
I did, uh, I did a live the other day where instead of reading conspiracies or going through these different uh, rabbit holes, I was like, let's just read what's on the Government of Canada website. <laughs> oh, look, by 2030, you're not going to own your property anymore. You're not going to own cars. Right. You probably won't own your land. Oh, we actually really love social credit. That would be, um, that would probably be a good idea for us. Look what China's doing. Uh, we really respect that. We look like it's, it's on our government website. So Fair. for people at this point to think that these things are conspiracies, like you're just willingly turning a blind eye um, because it's, it's right there it's right there and in terms of things like social credit this isn't something in the future it's already here mm -hmm. when they started freezing assets mm -hmm. at the trucker convoy that's social credit you yeah. have a different political opinion boom you don't have access to your funds anymore we have political prisoners in canada we had, we're arresting pastors um, I did a post just saying that Trudeau is a dictator and someone wrote to me said, oh, come on, Carla, really a dictator? And I said, yes, let's yes. look at the definition of a dictator. Let's look at what he's doing. Let's look at the hate speech. Let's look at the censorship bills. Now, is Canada an authoritarian country today? No. If you compare Canada to an authoritarian country, we can still have gay pride parades um, we can still protest uh, that we might not have that for very much longer, but right now we can. The only thing that prevents us from tipping at this point is freedom of speech. It's literally the, the hair thin line that is protecting our freedom. And we have people cheering on censorship bills because they've been lied to. They've been told that everyone that's speaking out um, is lying when in fact it's the other way around and that's it's just a terrifying thought to me that the people that can enforce something uh, like a censorship bill have lied to us yes. again and again yeah because I think if, if I always try and put myself in in the minds of these madmen <laughs> and think if, if I was if I'm going to uh, try and and create a literal new world order how would I do it and the obvious answer is you get the people to do it you don't as the person the mastermind of this all of a sudden you know make a podium speech um, at, a, at a G7 or G20 summit and say hey guys uh, this is what I think we're gonna do what do you think Doesn't matter we're doing it anyway so go back and tell the citizens of your country that this is what's up <clears throat> when we look at the the problems we have uh, been facing over the last couple of years, uh, it's been very obvious that the people are the biggest supporters of uh, pushing through things that don't make sense, even when science is completely uh, irrelevant or disproven, it doesn't matter because we've been positioned to be divided we've been positioned to be against one another it's the classic divide and conquer it's the classic this is the group of people that's causing us the problem right now and then all of a sudden all eyes turn on to this group of people um it becomes very 
easy for people to then do the the groundwork of all of these other things because it's like yes of course this makes sense these people are causing us problems this is the next best move i'm behind this and it's these hairline inch by inch by inch little movements that the masses do not understand they are not only supporting they're actively taking part in um that's the scary part i've 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 stopped being afraid of the government even though coming to terms with what's happening now is like a nightmare um my my concern is the people and what we can do in order to position ourselves using our platforms using our voices in order to continue to be very strong sound voices of reason that maybe just get one person to be like, hmm, she's making a lot of sense over there. Maybe I should hear what she has to say. And it's over the long period that this consistency of using our voices is going to be required. We don't have a choice. Um, because this is what we need. We need mass support from the public in order to be able to work together against the system, as opposed to the system pushing us to work against uh, to work against one another. Mm -hmm. I I heard you say something really powerful. I think it was with uh, Kid Carson when you were explaining like the bigger picture, everything that's going on. Um, like you said, there's so there's so much to say, it, it makes you sound kind of crazy. Like they're indoctrinating children in schools with these far left agendas. Uh, a lot of these far left agendas are Marxist in theory. I've been reading a lot of Marxist books, a lot of history of communism, the uh, Red Army in China, all of these things. But it, it feels like it's over here and over here and public health and it it seems you sound crazy when you start talking about it. And one of the best things I heard you say with Kit Carson is, so everybody's in on this, the doctors, the nurses, the scientists, the school teachers. And you said, no, everyone's just teachers are going to teach. Uh, bankers are going to do their banking. Everyone's just responding to circumstance. No one's working together. There absolutely is a small group of elitist far left people that are pushing these ideologies on everyone. But the people are just regular people working their job. And that's why you'll have a conversation with a nurse, for example, that says, none of these policies make sense. And this is what I'm actually seeing in the hospital. These are like the injuries I'm seeing. And I just choose to keep my mouth shut. And that's really what's happening. People are just responding to a crisis. And whenever I think that I'm going crazy, that, okay, Carla, there are actually, there's so many moving parts here. Are you going crazy? Um, I've even tried to think, maybe we need this. I've even gone there. Maybe the world is actually in such a bad state. Maybe climate change is such an immediate emergency that we do need this type of totalitarian control. I tried to go there. <laughs> and what always red pills me immediately <laughs> is this is all done based on lies and deceit. Yep. And if they actually cared about people, we would have had zero attempts at blocking early treatment. Early treatment, red pills me every single time. time. That's the thing I go back to as well is you let people die. So when, when people ask me, um, well, what if these agendas are 
uh, the best for the world? What if this is the best for everyone? And it's just right wing, white privileged people that are pushing back on this. That's always going to be the popular narrative, right? Um, we cannot deny that, uh, A, this has been ushered in under lies, division, hatred, and intolerance. So if this was really what's best for people, why would it be led in this manner, first and foremost? Why wouldn't we have empowered leadership? Why wouldn't we have leaders uniting and bringing people together and getting people excited about these solutions that they have to bring to the table? And that's not what they're, it's literally the opposite of what they're actually doing. And um, I, I share the same, not so much anymore, but definitely in 2021, I would have those sit down moments to be like, am, am I losing it? Like, is this, is this what I think it is? And, and I think, no, like, there's no how, how, like what? And you go down this, this rabbit hole of self-doubt and think maybe I've been the one that's been brainwashed and, and, and I'm the one that uh, isn't credible. And, and I'm the one that's not seeing this correctly. And maybe, maybe everyone that is watching the news, maybe they're right. And uh, I quickly bounce back from that with the same thing of realizing that early treatment was denied and we knew that we knew not just us in our, our tinfoil hats thousands upon thousands upon thousands of medical professionals have come forward um stating that we can help people we can we can completely decrease the number of deaths we can completely give people uh, a path to a better chance at recovering and these medications were banned mm -hmm. and then you got to ask yourself you got to have the hard conversation of why on earth would they do that to people and i i understand why people don't acknowledge things like you and i talk about because in order to have that conversation with yourself you have to be willing to let your own reality shatter and that's what you know people refer to as the awakening right when all of a sudden the world as you know it crashes in front of you and you have to go on this journey of understanding what's actually real and true and what isn't and to to go down the the rabbit hole of why why when there were medications and drugs there available to millions of people worldwide did they not allow these patients to have them and instead prescribe other things that exacerbated their systems and gave them a greater likelihood of not surviving. Why? Why? And it's scary because we know, we know why. We know that it was to create enough fear so that we would uh, go out and get the arm squirt. And the arm squirt led to the QR code. And the QR code leads to digital identity. A digital identity leads to social credit. Social credit. And this is where people go like, wait, what? There's no freaking way that all these people can be involved. There's like, how would you even orchestrate something? You get the people to do it. And mm -hmm. you create the circumstances for professionals to simply do their job and respond to. Because that, that was a huge pushback I got uh, when I started kind of talking to people in my life. They'd be like, there's no freaking way that all of these people are involved. Every doctor, every nurse, every chief medical officer, every politician, there's no way but when a situation is before them that 
their job is to respond to, they're just going to do their job. And it's amazing. Like I, I, I do give credit to these absolutely nutty masterminds that are behind all of this. I'm like, ah, I got to give them some credit. It's a good plan. <laughs> Kudos. It's actually quite brilliant. If, if that's what you're wanting to do is amazing to see the intricacies of it. Um, and just how deeply it is planned from top to bottom. I've, I've always found too the, um, the best way to wake people up is to ask them questions. And that's how somebody woke me up. Eventually, I just didn't have any good answers for their very common sense questions. And anyone that's pushed back on me uh, and told me that I have no business having an opinion because I'm not a doctor, I'm not this or that. Um, you know, uh, I'll just ask some very common sense questions like, okay, you work in the hospital. Great. You guys have a whole task unit formed around finding different treatment possibilities for people, right? Because we're in the world's deadliest pandemic. So you guys are spending lots of time finding out how you can treat people early to save their lives. Oh, no, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> like there's so many questions. Um, I, I just read a really good article about the inconvenient truth of Sweden. And this man, his job was literally to study death counts. Uh, it, that's what his job was before the pandemic. And he said he was watching, um, I believe it was either UK or the US say that they had their worst day and like 118 people had died that day. And he went, hmm, 287 people die a day in Sweden normally. So there are just so many questions that aren't allowed, yeah. hence the censorship bills, because those yeah. questions wake people up eventually. I mean, my wake up also was um, people coming into the high school to tell my 12-year-old that she didn't need parental permission to go and get it. That just rewired something in my brain immediately. And I was like, I've signed like 10 permission slips so far this year from everything from can they leave school property? Can they walk around the block? And but they, no they to experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Scary. And stuff. anyone that says that this is not an experiment. Well, if it wasn't an experiment, then why would you need an emergency use authorization? You only need those for experimental products. Yeah. And why? Why? Couldn't we know that they wane after a few months? And this, this is something that I, I feel deeply for people who uh, made the choice to, to go out and get the, the arm squirt um, under the, the confidence and trust and safety that the information that was being presented to them was in their best interest and was real and true. Uh, and we know that it wasn't, we knew that there was a lot of information being withheld and Lord knows at any time we try to talk about anything that, uh, is related to that. If we're not speaking in code on the internet, we get censored, we get taken down, we get shadow banned, anything that is helping people make a more informed decision. Why is that conversation not allowed? Why, yeah. why are we not, um, nourishing, uh, this, the actual safety of public health decisions as it pertains to an individual and what that risk analysis actually looks like for them. And, you know, at the beginning, everyone kept saying it's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. And I'm like, based on what? And I mean, now we have the, the trial data coming out, which is 
I'd be scared. I'd be scared um, if I if I was someone who chose to get it because it's it's everything that we've been saying and more. And I feel I have compassion for these people who made this choice um, without having truthful information presented to them. And, and you ask yourself, why? Why couldn't that conversation be more open with each individual and their doctor? Why mm -hmm. were doctors not allowed to have that conversation? Why were doctors uh, banned from being able to practice medicine um, if they wrote an exemption letter? I'm interviewing someone on my podcast from Ontario, actually, uh, next week, who uh, she's coming on with her lawyer. Uh, she's been uh, banned from the her medical practice as a as a family medicine doctor uh, for providing valid exemptions based on her patient's health history, knowing what we know about the arm squirts um, and what that chance of a, a potential issue or an effect would actually have on that individual. In other words, she's being a good doctor. And as a mm -hmm. result, she's lost her medical license. So if, it's just, it's a, it's one of those questions in a stack of millions at this point where somebody please tell me how this makes sense. I will wait. And those answers don't exist for anything people, across the board. People think we're not looking either. Uh, I have had some pretty heated conversations with my doctor and I've showed him profound evidence. One was a letter from our own Ontario health minister saying it does not prevent transmission. And still you have people believing that that's true. And then the other thing was a letter from the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons saying to doctors, if you provide exemptions, if you recommend anything to help treat someone, early treatment, vitamin D, even alongside the squirt, <laughs> um, you will essentially lose your license. So, you know, I told my doctor, unfortunately, even if I wanted to believe you that this was a good idea for me under this system i never would i can't trust what you're telling me even though i respect you as a person i know you're educated i know that you do care for me because of this system i can never trust your advice on this yeah. and it's a shame because never did i feel like that prior to this but well, again that of of how trust is broken so again if if all of these things are being done in the best interest of uh all citizens globally worldwide then why would we create system where where trust is completely eroded um and faith in systems is completely eroded uh, it doesn't make sense so this is where i try to figure out you know, in, in my own process of like, what, what can I do as a citizen with all of this information in my brain? And, you know, you try and, and operate in, in the real world and it almost feels like you're walking into a twilight zone where you're like, y'all don't see what's happening. Um, and it can be really hard and overwhelming sometimes. So that's where I ask myself, how, how can I actually contribute to being a solution in this? Because I spent 2021 trying to like, shake and rattle as many people as I could to wake up and all it did was burn me out and break my heart and instead I chose to uh, focus on strengthening the people who did see what was happening 
um, help folks uh, become more knowledgeable in, in how these systems work and uh, work towards providing solutions to people. Hey, Devin. And uh, <laughs> that my angle for that was politics. And I know that some people, the, the reason why there's so many of us that sound like absolute wackos to the average human being when we're like, but, but the, the armed squirts and, and the, the medications and, and the politics <laughs> and, and social credit system. And they're just like, are you okay? You know, and, and we don't get anywhere with that. Um, my contribution is the political system. So when I'm speaking about this stuff, um, I try to filter it through our political structure and bring it back to what can we do as individual citizens? Um, because we can't deny that in large part, everything that's occurring and everything that's being pushed through is coming by way of our political institutions. So mm -hmm. my brain goes, okay, if this is how it's coming in, then we got to get in there with it so that we can work it from the inside, beat them at their game and push it back out. It's been helpful for me because in the beginning, when you start realizing what's going on, it sends you down the rabbit hole of Telegram. And then what was <laughs> happening was, was just saturated with so much information, some of it true, some of it probably completely crazy. And it put me in in action. Um, and then when the convoy happened, um, I was on the documentary team and I was working like 14 hour days, again, fully immersed in what was going on. And I'm really glad I did it. There was a time there where I had to be really intensely involved in all the information and I helped. But then when Ottawa kind of dispersed and I got some space to breathe and, and, and really needed just some space to think clearly, I decided to stop checking Telegram altogether, stop checking the news and I just go into your group, literally, and I read bills, and I write my parliament members, and I live my life joyously, working on my projects and my business. So I don't want to be in it 24-7, and I don't want to let it go, because it's not time to let it go, and I don't want to tell anyone else what to do. I know for myself that things are not good, and I need to get involved while still living my life, enjoying my children, staying passionate about the things that I love. So I've just found your material really practical and helpful because A, it's something that I can do. I yeah. can't stop social credit. I can't stop people from getting a microchip. I can't stop the new world order. I can't. But I can change politics. I can get involved in my school board and what woke ideologies are teaching my children. And that's how we really change the world. I mean, hopefully through this podcast, I can reach someone um, or through Instagram, but really it's, it's grassroots. It's on the ground, your community. Yeah. And that's where your work has been really, really helpful. Thank you. And, and that's, that's been my hope for what it provides to people because you're right. I, I also am someone who uh, deleted most of my telegram chats and muted out a lot of others and, uh, definitely started to curate a different, more empowered experience for myself because mm -hmm. it's so easy if, to fall into the overconsumption of everything that's happening. And, uh, you know, you, you can spend years on Rumble and never find the bottom of it. 
and mm-hmm. uh, you know everyone has uh, theories and and ways of looking at things. And if you don't have those um, you know guiding principles that it sounds like you have of uh, how are you going to choose to show up in the space? What are you going to choose to do? What actions are you going to take? How else are you going to um, allow yourself to take part in life without everything around you being in um, feeling like it's in carnage all the time? We're not productive when we're in that state. The energy that comes with it is not forward moving. Um, a lot of it is truly rooted in fear. And when we're operating from that space, uh, division occurs. And, and this is what's been so uh, almost like a phenomenon to watch it on, on the freedom side of the fight, where we, we see that happening here as well where it's sharing the doom and gloom, no different than the um, folks on the other side sharing the doom and gloom against us. And it's two sides of two very concerning wings of the same bird. Um, So it's important that we understand, uh, you know, where's our boundary in this? What are we going to choose to engage in? Uh, how are we going to choose to filter information that is coming at us at lightning speed? Um, what are we going to give our attention to? What is a, a hard no if you come into my space with this energy or this attitude or uh, information that has absolutely no factual basis other than little clips of this here and there? Um, this is this is how we we do ourselves harm as a total movement in losing credibility and uh, not doing the best that we can to be able to uh, be digestible to those who may not understand what's happening yet. So it's a, it's a fine balance. <laughs> it's, a, mm-hmm. it's almost a bit of an art form, but um, I encourage people to take the same approach as you did. Find, find spaces that work for you. Find spaces that are conducive to solutions find spaces mm-hmm. that you are, are safe to speak freely in and, uh, you know, land in when the world around us may not be um, very accepting of us and our, our ways of seeing things. And then make your own decisions on how you want to move forward uh, and what you can be a part of. What can you do locally? What can you do provincially? How can you get involved federally? And recognize how much power we actually do have. And it's amazing once you actually sit with it and you give it, give yourself that little bit of time to think, what can I do? What are my options? I think most people would be pleasantly surprised at how much, um, you know, how many options each individual has based on where they are, based on what their family structure is, based on anything. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to say to that because that's our ticket out of this. Yeah, and I think it keeps circling back to you know, being fearless, not letting the fear on either side grab hold on you. So again, just like the spoken word, can, do you have enough courage just to actually say what you want to say? And then Devin was saying in the comments and live your life. <laughs> like you're not, your, your life is already gone. If you are spending all this time in fear and soaking in all this negative information go and see your friends, go and plant a garden. Um, Like it's time also just to get really practical. I've 
been learning a lot about how I preserve wealth. If, if these things are happening, how do I save money? Do I buy gold bars? Is it Bitcoin? Um, I started hunting. I've grown a garden. Like, how do I take care of myself so I don't have to participate in these mm -hmm. systems? should they happen and i know you've spoken a little bit about that as well in the group about um living free and do you actually know what that means to detach from the system what can you say about what it would actually require of you to detach yeah. to be free these questions hit hard because i think it helps people realize just how we've been raised to be hyper dependent on our structure here in canada and it's been positioned to us as we need to be grateful for all of these things that we have here in Canada. And I am a firm believer that there, there must be, in, in any good society, there must be services, programs, uh, and anything along those lines to be able to support those who truly need it. Um, vulnerable people, people who may not be able to um, make things work for themselves and need that support. But what we have in Canada is a structure that, that creates dependence. And without taking a minute and really pulling yourself back and asking yourself, where am I dependent on the system? Uh, I don't think most people realize how dependent we really are. And this comes down to our food supply. And I think folks got a taste of that when we started seeing shortages due to um, trucker shortages. And all of a sudden like, oh my God, the grocery store is, is like emptying out. I'm, I'm not prepared. I don't, what am I gonna do? And it's, it, it's instances like this that are really uh, actual beautiful wake up calls to take an inventory of where we may not be as self-sustaining as we could be. And everyone's going to have varying levels of that based on a number of reasons, time, location, uh, skill set, all of these things. Um, so someone living in a, you know, a, a condominium downtown Calgary is going to have different options before them than someone like me who lives rural. Um, but that doesn't mean that that person downtown can't also think, well, what can I do? If, if, I, if I'm not able to have, you know, a 2000 square foot garden on my balcony to feed me and my family for the whole year, what can I do? What are some things that I can start to do? Um, and maybe the, the first step is, is allowing yourself freedom of speech. Are you allowing your thoughts, your beliefs, your perspectives to be dictated by tech giants um, or your friends and family who are also afraid to be associated with things that um, you hold true for you? Uh, what if the uh, police were no longer uh, in existence? What if, what if they were, there was some sort of crazy, you know, civil war that broke out and, and all of a sudden formal law enforcement was dismantled. Can you help yourself? Can you support yourself? Can you protect yourself? Um, do, you, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to access food if the grocery store runs out? And if you're not someone who can grow it in a garden, do you have a community of people that can? Um, do you know how to preserve food? Do you know how to uh, stay heated and warm in January if your power goes out? Do you know how to um, clean and purify water if all of a sudden the municipal water system goes down? And these are all things that <laughs> I've asked these questions a number of times and people go, whoa. And hmm. it's, it can be something that you choose to see as scary and daunting and overwhelming and intimidating, or you can see it as this super empowering, exciting journey 
to discover just how uh, solution-based and pragmatic and practical uh, and self-sustaining you really are. I think we need to give ourselves uh, more benefit of the doubt that we can trust ourselves um, in a world that has, I, I posted about this earlier, so I made a brilliant post saying if for those who don't um, trust themselves will always outsource their lives to others. And it's like, whoa, you know, how true is that when we're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. But I'm going to rely on this person. What if that person's not there anymore? What if that system's not there anymore? What if that program's not there anymore? What if that location's not there anymore, but you have put all of your dependence into it? What do you do when it's not there anymore? So uh, just taking an inventory of where you can become a little bit more independent in your life is probably one of the best things that people are doing right now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's usually uh, younger liberals that are, are cheering on these codependent systems and are cheering on change the system and a lot of the policies that are coming into play and they have no idea what that actually means and how that's going to directly harm them even yeah get yeah let's just get rid of all fossil fuels do you know what that actually looks like to live in the coldest country in the world or to live rurally or to fuel a tanker truck to deliver food um like a, a lot of these policies made by people in the educational sector they don't know what it's like, again, to live free and independently and to do the hard blue collar work. They're not on the ground. It's, they're living just from a place of ideology. So that's, those are really helpful questions for anyone, whether you're on the left or, or the right. Just very practically, do you know how to take care of yourself? And like even going like a layer deeper, um, are you paying attention? Are you clear? Like, I, I think, again, a lot of the reason some of this has slipped through is, of course, people aren't paying attention to politics, but most people don't even know themselves. They don't know their thoughts. They don't address their physical aches and pains. We're just kind of numbing everything in our lives. Um, and it's another reason I've, I've become sober the last few months. I stopped drinking just because I felt like now is the time to be really clear just really, really clear. We need to be paying attention. We need to be loving one another, taking care of our families and, and preparing for yeah. what may not come. My, my father has always said, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with me for my entire adult life, making sure I got this tool or whatever. Um, or when I go out into the woods, I'd, I'd rather have the things I need. <laughs> uh, even if I never pull them out of my backpack, I'd just rather have them with me. And how true is that? And, and another thing too, if that you mentioned your physical health, if, and we, we saw a very real taste of this in 2021 when, um, people were not receiving medical care in certain parts of Canada. Uh, because of their personal medical decision regarding the arm squirt. And that was something that uh, was a big wake up call for me to think, okay, I got to make sure that I'm uh, getting myself into better health here. And also, uh, 
what do I have more than a tiny first aid kit that I stick in my hiking bag? Um, and like, if I did need medical care and my local hospital said, no, you can't come in because you don't have the V, what am I going to do? You know, and, and it's one of those situations where we, we've never had to think about things like this. Um, but what a gift to be uh, in a really backhanded, painful way, mind you, but what a gift to be alive during this time, to be given this opportunity to step into the deepest level of self-trust that I don't know we would have ever given ourselves credit for being able to tap into otherwise. Uh, I think we would have continued to just kind of mosey on through life, uh, a little bit on the numb side, a little bit on the disconnected side, just kind of status quo style living. Um, this has been an amazing experience to step into a whole other level of personal responsibility, personal power, um, and just really understanding what we're capable of in, uh, you know, as Canadians, when we've kind of grown up and, and had a lot of stuff handed to us, um, it says something. And there, there's quotes out there about uh, hard times and, and creating strong people, strong times, uh, create weak people, weak people create hard times, and it goes on in this big cycle, right? And, uh, you know, recent generations here in Canada, it's, even though it's it's not without its issues or, or problems, um, but generally speaking, we were born into easy times here in Canada, and it showed. So it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for everybody as individuals to just give yourself some more credit and recognize that you are capable of a hell of a lot more than you realize. And that also helps really combat a lot of the fear that comes up with this stuff too. If, what are we gonna do? Or, oh my God, we're so screwed. Or how do I get out of Canada? And uh, they're fear-based responses, right? But the, to, in order to diminish the fear and, and step into courage instead, you gotta remember that you can handle this. You, you can handle this, you can move through this, you can take care of yourselves, you can find ways for your family um and where there's a will there is a way and this is our chance to show that to ourselves i'm going to end with one last question that touches beautifully on what you just said um like i know for myself that immediate awakening you kind of go to extremes right from being dead asleep to something that's yep. maybe kind of crazy all in like all in the telegram it's way too much and yep. i i've I've learned that the truth is somewhere in the middle and that is where I like to live, that these things that are a little ominous and scary are happening and there are people in charge that aren't good. But what's also true is there is a whole lot of good. There's a whole lot of light right now. There's this gigantic awakening this resistance so i find myself now at a better place in the middle where i can take an in information a little bit better i have a good flow with handling uh like taking an in information that i can actually do something about letting go of the rest and just like loving my life and being with my family um what can you say about just what are you learning right now what's different about sarah now compared to the beginning of the awakening this is such a good question because i was that person i went from dead asleep to oh dear god it felt like a tsunami was coming for me um and it was overwhelming it was all consuming it literally felt like it took over my entire life um because i i didn't have the tools to be able to 
figure out how to balance this this huge amount of information and, and new knowledge while my emotional well-being as my heart broke for the world that I thought I knew while my heart broke for all of the people that were leaving my life um, and for not having a hot clue how the hell to stop it other than to try and scream as loud as I could and hope that other people saw it too and it wasn't productive it, it didn't help anything uh, and I mentioned earlier it exhausted me and it broke my heart so what's different about me now, um, I'm, I'm very much rooted in my values of freedom and integrity. And I'm very rooted in my own personal boundaries of uh, what type of energies I allow into my space. And especially when um, I'm running a platform like Trailblazer, which is highly, highly, highly engaged, which I love. Um, it's a numbers game. There's, there's going to be uh, a number of people who uh, bring more problems into my space than solutions um, or uh, fear or just ick energy that you immediately feel physiologically inside you. It's like, oh, this does not feel helpful or forward moving. Um, so my, my choices that I make now are so different than uh, even just six months ago of who I, who I allow myself to engage with, uh, what I allow myself to engage in as far as um, conversation, topics, debates, things like that. Um, what are my hard lines for, uh, nope, you've, you've violated the, the sacredness of my space here, whether it's personally or online. Um, and I, my, my number one priority is to uh, protect myself fiercely so that I can continue to be strong for myself, for my family, for my community, for the people who enjoy following my content. Because if I, if I were to opt into anything other than that, um, all I'm doing is spreading more fear. All I'm doing is getting people even more riled up um, and potentially putting people in a, a really terrible space mentally, which I, I know that so many people are probably even in right now um, of like, what do I do? I feel like the world's closing in on me. So my choice to be really pragmatic and logical. And, and like you said, somewhere in the middle, um, <laughs> my middle is the middle of the right um, when it comes to politics. And uh, I, I approach things from a, I can understand why this is happening, but here's the problems with it. Um, or here's the you know latest thing that's circulating the internet right now. I'm going to break it down for you. Um, so prioritizing my own sense of calm and my own sense of safety and uh, curating the type of energy that I want to feel around me is 180 degrees difference from how I was when I first came to know all of all of the things that are happening. But I think that's what uh, is allowing me to reach as many people as I am um, because of the calm, because of the energy, because of the, let's just strip the fear out of the situation and look at the facts that are before us. Um, I hope more people um, prioritize themselves in that regard of protecting yourself fiercely right now, protecting your space, protecting your heart, protecting your energy, 
um, boundaries are everything right now uh, because the stronger we all are, the more rooted we all are, the more we can actually do together as far as solutions go. And that's even if we don't even agree on politics. Um, I have a lot of uh, folks who are uh, different on the political spectrum and some are further right than me, some are not as right as me. Um, but so long as we're all collected in ourselves, we can become far more approachable, we can become far more palatable, digestible. Um, and those are skill sets that I, I don't believe I had a lot of when I came to learn all this stuff, because I it was it was so all consuming and so terrifying um, that I was that person. I'm like, talking about 18 different atrocities at the same time and looking like a complete maniac. So um, that's something I'm happy that I have figured out how to navigate. Uh, but I think it, it goes a long way too when, when you're trying to help people kind of level out again, ditch the fear, let's look at the facts, let's figure out what we can do about this, figure out what, what needs to be of concern. And if it's of concern, then what are our options? What can we do about it? Um, mm -hmm. And just look at, like, this is a problem. How do we solve it? Uh, as opposed to this is a problem, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, calmness, yeah. energy protection, self-respect, um, not allowing uh, people to disrespect me in any way. All of these things are huge when it comes to being able to continue to show up. Because uh, if I allowed myself to engage in aggressive debates and fear, and I've been on the receiving end of some really gnarly stuff in my DMs, uh, if I allowed myself to give that stuff any attention, uh, it would consume me. It would absolutely consume me and I would be of service to no one. So I think mm -hmm. if anyone else is feeling like they're just getting dragged, um, just remember that it's not the people dragging you. It's you that's letting yourself be dragged and you have the power to shift gears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're doing in the in the parliament group you're um, dissecting information and helping people find solutions instead of just living in the fear or just living detached and turning a blind eye to everything. Um, so we have a, a ton of freedom fighters in this chat. These are people that I know are like deep in it. They know exactly what we're talking about. We don't even need to say details. They're just like, uh-huh. They're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if there's anyone on here that's just starting to get curious, um, where, where would you point them? That's a really good question. Um, where would I point people for factual information? I don't even know if I can point anything, anyone in any one specific direction. I think the best advice I can give is to be more conscious of what you're choosing to consume that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. My, my uh, go-to indicator of something that I need to pay attention to is whatever big tech politicians or the media tells me not to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. if, there are, <laughs> if there are doctors or political figures or... Um, A fact check. Know, uh, yeah, anything that's that's being flagged as misinformation, um, that was a big uh, 
key for me and being like, why do you not want me to know this? Why, why do you not trust me as a grown ass responsible adult to discern on this information on whether or not I should believe it or not? Like, what are you hiding? And that was, that was my little, what is this over here? Great um, podcasts that I listen to. Uh, what is the one? Um, it's a health pod. No, one of the number one health podcasts. You probably know exactly who it is. Alex Zek? Uh, no, but he's another great one. Um, mm. Oh gosh, it's going to drive me nuts. I'll have to drop it in the comments after you post. Um, yeah, Alex Zek is a great one. He calls it shoot straight from the hip. So if, if you are uh, just opening your eyes, maybe Alex Zek might be a little overwhelming for you because you'd be like every day, it's like, what is he saying now? What is this about? Um, but doctors, Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, um, mm. we're bringing uh, uh, Brian Peckford, uh, who's the final living signatory of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. He's coming onto my podcast. He has a totally mm. different story, the construction of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and he's going down into, into the grave with it. He's, he's, he's making sure that his, his, uh, the real story is known about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Um, but there's so much. It's, it's a matter of being open to it without feeling dark harvest podcast someone's saying to you that's a great one um it's a matter of being open to information without feeling obligated to buy into it just because it's different from mainstream and I, I think that when you mentioned earlier there's this juicy middle that we get to play with because there are things where i'm like ee, nope that doesn't feel good for me even though uh, a lot of people who are in the in the freedom fight may be like all over this latest thing over here. And I'm like, mm. there's something in me that I'm trusting about that that isn't pushing me to say hell yes to this. Now I'm going to go spread it everywhere. Um, so I think regardless of the information you're consuming or who you're choosing to listen to or not listen to, uh, the best thing you can do, and you mentioned this earlier, the people are so disconnected from themselves. We have to work really hard right now to reconnect with ourselves, to understand uh, and trust ourselves to be able to discern because fact checkers are making the choices for people these days. Politicians are instructing the public on what to listen to and what not to listen to, which stops people from flexing their own discernment muscle and just falling into default of listening. Am I allowed to listen to this or not? Or am I supposed to trust this person or not? As opposed to listening to them and thinking, well, they made a really good point there. And that could be mm -hmm. on either issue. So yeah, if, if someone's sending you stuff, if you have a, a, a friend who you have deemed as a conspiracy theorist that's fallen off the deep end, um, give them an opportunity and just see what they have to say. Listen instead of dismiss, dismissing it and listen with an open perspective of this could absolutely be a bunch of nonsense uh, or, oh my God, I, if I had have known this, maybe I would have made a different decision. Um, and trust yourselves to know the difference between uh, incorrect information and, and true information and look at the source too. What does this person have to lose by sharing this information? And mm -hmm. that was another indicator for me. It's like, if this person is, is risking everything to, to use their voice right now, I'm going to give them my ear. 
because why on earth would you do that if um if you knew that you could lose everything your reputation your career your your license uh your businesses your friends your family what could possibly be so important to a person that they'd be willing to put all of that on the line in order to try and inform someone of something so if there's any type of information like that or people coming across your feeds um, that are positioned from that standpoint, listen. Julie Panessi is another great example. Mm -hmm. um, Julie Panessi, um, Dr. Um, Bridal uh, is another great example. Um, the COVID Care Alliance, oh God, I hope it doesn't flag the video because I just said the C word. Um, the CCCA uh, Ontario, um, all of these places that have been absolutely uh, ab abolished, banned, cancelled off YouTube, not allowed to be on Instagram. It's like, that's where you want to start asking more questions and listening to those folks. Devin says, Dr. Ira Bernstein as well, and checking both sides of the sources. Yeah, I do that too. You know, I occasionally listen to CBC, like, what are they saying? I'm listening to Yuval Harari, uh, Noah's book, because I'm like, maybe there's something I can learn here. Maybe you're not the scary individual that I think you are, I'm going to get to know you better. So I think that's important too. you know, not getting into our own echo chambers, and checking ourselves, checking our ego, being open um, to new information, <clears throat> still from both sides. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're fighting for, right? If we're saying that that's what we want, we want to be listened to, then we also have that ear for other people. Um, and I'm seeing now, I'm getting a lot of messages come in from people that haven't believed me, that had erased me, and they're ready to listen now because something has happened. Yes. Something has happened to them and they're ready. And I just want to share that I hold no grievances none because I get it I think people are inherently good and even if I was mistreated I don't think it's their fault I think people were really led astray so I'm if people are able to create reconciliation in their relationships um, I'm here for it I'm here for it at any time yeah and I, I think you're um in good company with that experience right now too because I, I do get a lot of people messaging me terrified that no one is is waking up or, or no one is piecing this together and it's it's the opposite of what i see happening right now um based on other messages i'm getting of oh my dear god i see it now um and being able to have that respect for that person for you know what they have been led to believe um, and yeah, I think each person's on a journey of, uh, how hurt they've been and, and healing that needs to be done. Um, but if we're truly going to win this, uh, it's, it's going to take way more of us, way more of us coming together. So if, if we're having an outright refusal to accept people who once didn't see it, but now see it. And we're not letting them in and, 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 and welcoming them to, to fight with us. We implode in on ourselves. So it's super important. Devin says he doesn't have time for that. 
It's okay. <laughs> you just you just send them to Sarah and I. Yeah. We will let them in and we'll join them. <laughs> we'll bring them into yeah. the team. <laughs> like the serious conversations in the DMs. Um, yeah, there's and there's varying degrees too of which people have been hurt and traumatized by this too. Um, from maybe friends just kind of disappeared and stopped talking to you. I've had a lot of those. Um, Christmas was very quiet. I'm like, whoa, my phone is quiet today. This is very glaring that there's less people in my inner circle now than ever before. Um, and there's there's also people who have been on the total other end of, this, of the spectrum and outright abusive towards people like us. Mm -hmm. uh, I think everyone's definitely on an individual journey there on how they navigate those relationships moving forward. If that person were to come knocking on their door, maybe their tails tucked between their legs a little bit and being like, I'm sorry. I had to do that with, with my best friend. Like she, she was the first to see it. And I'm like, I think she's lost her damn mind. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was concerned for her, genuinely concerned for her well-being um, because she was talking about everything from um, the, the V to uh, child trafficking, to political corruption, to, uh, world hunger to like everything in between blah, blah, blah. and I was like oh yikes I'm mm -hmm. concerned um but Same. the person like, that woke me up I was trying to help her because I thought she had lost her damn mind and she just ended up waking me up yeah <laughs> I was and, like oh poor uh, you you're under a lot of stress you've kind of gone crazy let me help you I know Not what happened I I think back and I'm so and I'm so grateful that she allowed me back in um, because she didn't need to. I, I definitely was not a very supportive friend during that time. Um, and I think about that when I do have people come back into my space because, uh, you know, the tables have turned. Right. So uh, it's important that we we recognize the only way out of this is unity. Um, mm -hmm. so anyone out there that thinks that. Um, you can't talk to the person that you maybe have ridiculed <laughs> or silenced for the last two years. Um, try anyway, and and just mm -hmm. see if the person is is open and willing to um, bring you back in and, and link arms with you, so that we can do this together. Mm. I think that's a good place to end. I could talk. We could have a ten-hour podcast. You and I, I, I easy, easy. I've been podcast interviews lately and I'm like I feel like I need to go more Joe Rogan style with this stuff because I could literally just go for like four and a half hours I'm like let's pull up some snacks and just sit here and hang out and shoot the shit for a few hours um but there's so much there's so I'm much we can go yeah but thank you for having me I'll drive to Calgary we'll have okay. whiskey and I can easily sit for three hour Joe Rogan style and just hash this all out maybe we'll actually figure it out That'd be so fun. So fun. Um, where can people find you if they want more? <laughs> Everyone's like podcast party. Yeah, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Devin had a good idea too for like a round table podcast style. I think that's a brilliant idea as well. Um, I love it. Best is probably here on Trailblazer Media Group is definitely where I cover the majority of like my political content. I also uh, hang out over at my personal account. I am Sarah Swain. Uh, definitely more business related content, my personal life, personal views, things like that. Um, or you can find us at trailblazermedia.ca. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And um, thank you for what you've created. I love being in the parliament. I think it's great. And I appreciate your memes always, because I think that's the point that I'm at now where I'm just going to deal with this all with humor. It seems like yeah. the best way.
Yeah, sometimes if I, I do have those days where I'm like, if I don't laugh, I know I'm going to cry. So it's time to start making. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have a, a round two sometime. Awesome. Would love it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, guys, we hope you like the show today. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider hitting the subscribe button and telling your friends. It sincerely helps us a lot. We'll see you guys next time.